we, we believe that Jesus, over the course of his time here on earth, said some things that were pretty powerful. A noteworthy, or we would like to say tweet-worthy, okay? Now, if you're in the Twitter world, anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me see your hands if you understand Twitter. Six. Awesome. It's great. This is going to crash him burn today. Twitter is, is a social uh, media forum in which you can kind of just let all the people that you know, everyone that is one of your followers in 144 characters or less, just kind of what's going on and what you're thinking, maybe what you're eating at this moment, right? It's just important because people want to know what you're up to, right? And so uh, we, we, we this, this summer have just kind of set aside some time in which we're going to look at some of these things that, that Jesus said that we think are pretty powerful, some of these things, though, might be a little confusing. So we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit this summer and, and, and share with you uh, some of these things so that you have a better understanding uh, of what's going on. Things that are tweet-worthy, notable sayings of Jesus, all right? So I know last week Pastor Blake shared a great one. Today I want to share one with you today. There was a passage, there was a time that Jesus said something to, to his disciples, the original dream team, his men, handpicked, selected by him. There was a time, a story that we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 14 day, which Jesus said, O ye of little faith. Oh, now seriously, of all the people that Jesus could have said that, these are the disciples. These are the guys that had it all together, right? I mean, they are surely the most holy, most anointed, most called men of all time. But there's a story we're going to look at today in which Jesus said, ah, oh, your faith is little. Uh, I like to use the word, it's halfway. It's a halfway faith. Now, I know that many of us don't struggle with halfway faith. We're still burning as hot, red hot for the Lord as, as that day we first met Him, right? Uh, and we, our faith doesn't waver. It doesn't flicker or, or wane or anything. Like, it's still strong. No reality, this is probably a great message for all of us. Oh, ye of little faith. If you have your Bibles, look in the book of Matthew chapter 14 today. Matthew 14. Matthew is the first book in what we call the New Testament. For those of you that are, that are just checking this thing out, the Bible is basically divided into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament basically describes the history of the world and things that took place prior to Jesus' time here on earth. New Testament, fast forward, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, known as the four gospels. They give us the kind of the play-by-play -play of Jesus and his ministry and his time here on earth. And there's a story in Matthew 14 today that I want us to look at of one such powerful teaching moment in the life of Jesus. Now, in Matthew chapter 14, you're going to find, just before we pick up in verse 21, I think, I believe, today, uh, Jesus has just spent uh, some time with preaching a great sermon. It's been a long day. There are lots of people listening to Jesus. And, and in, in, in the middle of Matthew chapter 14, we read the story about Jesus feeding 5,000 men. You remember that story? Some of you have heard that, right? It's been a long day. He was preaching. There were at least 5,000 men there. That doesn't count the women and children. Some researchers say there could have been 18,000 people there that day. 
that day. We know that people are hungry. The disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, these people are getting hangry. You know, we need to feed them something. Jesus said, well, what do we have? There's nothing. Really, there's nothing. Go look and see what you can find. They come back to Jesus. They've basically found a little boy snack, his lunch consisting of two and five loaves of bread. Jesus takes that. He blesses it. You know, I mean, moms, you think that you're pretty good about extending the Vienna sausages and Funyuns at your house throughout the week. Jesus took this and extended this little boy's lunch that day. Not only fed these people, but it says they had leftovers. Who likes leftovers? I hate them. I like to eat food in its original intended form fresh, hot, or cold, whatever. And, and, and you can tell there's not many leftovers around the brown home, right? So, but, but this story, there were leftovers and Jesus was able to send people home with, with food that day. But in Matthew 14, verse 21 is where I want us to pick up our story. This is just how, would you not say that's a pretty incredible miracle? That's incredible. That's right. We do love it. I mean, Jesus, some of you go, what is, yeah. Um, Jesus has just performed one of the greatest miracles of all times. The disciples have just witnessed this. And it's been a long day. Their bellies are full. And I don't know about you, when I'm fed and full, it's time to take a... So look what it says in verse 22. It says, immediately after this this story, this time of feeding people, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Let me pause right there. Hey, listen, I'm praying and hoping that over the next few weeks, you will take some time to kind of get away and refuel and recharge. You need to do that. It's healthy. So many of us, Dads, let me talk to you. It's probably us. We're probably the, the, uh, the culprit. But, but so many of us are running so hard and working so hard. We're kind of like that hamster in that wheel that just we're running but never getting anywhere. Sometimes we just need to hop off and hop out and get away and go rest, refuel, recharge, and spend time with the Lord. It's okay. It's biblical. If I need to write a pastoral note for you for the boss man, let me know. I don't know if it'll help, but we got fancy letterhead. And I'll send it, and we'll see what happens. But the disciples have had a time of ministry. They've gotten away, and Jesus sends them away. And it says in verse 23, and after sending them home, he went into the hills by himself to pray. It's good to pray. Anybody like to pray in this house? (laughs) Does anybody... Oh my gosh, one, thank you, one person. Wow, I might need a new sermon right now. Jesus sent them home. He went into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell and he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. Far away from land. And they're in a boat. Remember, he's put them in a boat to send them away, send them home. And they're in trouble. There's a strong wind that had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Those are good words right there. Listen, today, if you don't hear another word, please know this. 
when Jesus is near to you, don't be afraid. Take courage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those moments in your life in which it looked, hey, glad y'all can make it. It's all right. Is this the broken down vehicle? Hey, we just prayed for that. The Lord answered prayer right there. Come on. Right there. That's what I'm talking about. I'm praying for a scholarship for Baylor University, too, for my daughter right now. Here we go. But when Jesus is near, we need to be people of courage. Amen. Things are good when Jesus is near. Tell your neighbor that right now. The Peter called to him in verse 28, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and he grabbed him. And here it is. You have so little faith. Or some translations say, O ye of little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? Hmm. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. You get the picture here? People have, the disciples have had a long day of ministering. Jesus kind of sends them away to kind of go home, refresh, retool, get ready for the next day. He has slipped away. But as we know that as these men, his disciples are in the boat headed back to home and to rest and maybe take a bath, I don't know. We know that they are thrown around the Sea of Galilee by a terrible storm that swells up. Now, if you've ever been to the ocean or if you've ever been near a sea when it's very windy, you, you, you probably have a pretty good picture of, of what's happening. How many of you have ever been like out in a boat somewhere and on, on a lake or whatever and, and the wind kind of begins to, yeah, it, it, it can be very terrifying, can't it? Yeah. Or it was for me anyway. I was scared. I mean, I'm talking about some serious waves going and the wind howling and it's dark and, and, and rain and, and, and you can't see. That's kind of what's, what's happening here. You, you know that if you've ever been in a situation like that, it's not a place you want to be, especially for the disciples in a small wooden fishing boat. But what we see here, Jesus came to his disciples. He came to them at just the right moment when the wind was probably at its worst and when definitely stepping out of the boat to try to save yourself looked like a bad idea. It probably wasn't a great move. Certainly death would occur. I love this story and it's a reminder to me of so many things, but here's one of them right now. God is an on-time God, isn't he? He knows exactly what you're facing today. He knows exactly what those storms in your life might be right now. And although you may be looking at it and saying, there is no hope, I am certainly doing. I'm just telling you right now today, we raise our hands to an on-time God. He's there and he rescues us and delivers us even in our time of need. It was in that crazy moment 
when they thought they were doomed, it was then that Jesus called to Peter. When things looked the most ominous. And Peter, we read here in Matthew 14, stepping out in faith, begins to walk on the water with Jesus. Fixing his eyes on the Lord, rising above the chaos of the waves around him. Stepping out of the boat into the stormy waters. Isn't that how you operate in life? Just looking for a great storm. Just looking for something crazy to step into. That's what Peter did this day. It's what he did for us, or for, 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 for the story in, reminds us of that today. What he did this day. Now listen, it looks scary to him, I'm sure. Or was it? I'm sure that, that there was that moment, it was kind of a, a range of emotions for him that day. It was scary, they thought they were going to die. There's Jesus, it's not a ghost, it's Jesus. And I'm sure that there was the moment which he said, I got this. I got this. Jesus is here. They, they had just seen him feed 18,000 people. They knew that there were leftovers. They, I'm sure that they had been witnesses to other miracles. I mean, if there's anybody that they would have wanted to be present that day in that storm, wouldn't it have been Jesus? Oh man, storms of life. They're still real today though, aren't they? You might find yourself today in stormy waters. It looks scary. You may not know how you're going to survive and how you're going to make it. There might be something that you're being called to do. This giant step that even you're being called to take and you just really don't know, do I have the faith to do it? You know, most of us won't. Most of us are like the, the, the other 11 disciples that day. We do what they did. We, 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 we sit where we're at. We, we stay where we think it's safe. You know, there was only one that day that thought it was safe to get out. It was Peter. And we're so quick to point our fingers at him and say, oh, but he sank and he fell. At least he had the guts to get out and to take that step. He was willing to risk it all. He knew that Jesus was there and he knew that Jesus was more than enough. Hey, listen. The really powerful stuff in your life begins to happen when you step out. Then you really live. When you will step out, that's when the really powerful stuff in life will happen. Hey, listen, don't miss this today. God calls us into deep situations, situations that are bigger than us. He calls us to places uh, uh, that, that, that bring us to the end of ourselves where we're just like Peter, where we have to come to him, where our only hope is to depend on him. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been there. It's scary. It's a big step. You don't know the outcome and the only hope you have is Jesus. You know, right now, the Lord might be asking you to take a miracle walk with him where there are no visible means of support. I mean, in Matthew 14, it was crazy for them to see Jesus walking on water. I don't know if you see that every day, but to them, this was new. It was crazy. And to think that they too had the potential to walk on that same water, that's crazy. 
It was a miracle we just looked at here in Matthew 14. No visible means of support, yet there was a miracle walk that took place. And for someone listening here today, maybe he's calling you to step away from some things so that you can walk with him miraculously. For some of you, maybe it's stepping away from some people and places, maybe the security that you've always held on to. He's calling you and say, hey, listen, just come to me. It's Jesus. I'm here. Things are going to be okay. And he's calling you and inviting you to take a miracle walk with him. How many of you would like to do that? There's some things when I look at this story that are pretty important for us to consider, though, if you're going to go there with Jesus, if you're going to walk miraculously with him. Number one is this. You need to check with Jesus. I'm not telling you just to jump off the stage today or just to hop in the lake. I'm telling you, you need to check and make sure that it's Jesus calling you. That's what Peter did. Do you remember that? He said, Lord, if it's you, remember that? If it's you, Jesus, if it's you, you need to make sure. Don't you just go and say, hey, honey, listen, we're, we're selling the farm. We're, I'm quitting everything. We're going to go and stockpile granola and get ready. I don't know, but I'm, we're selling. You need to check with Jesus to make sure he's the one calling you. Make sure the Lord is asking you to step out of the boat. How do you do that? Well, I I know that you can confirm whether Jesus is really calling you to do something through prayer. We got one person that believes in prayer. I, I believe that also you can check to see if it's Jesus calling you by confirmation through his word. That's where we received our answer to move from Denver down to Bernie, Texas. It was through the word of God. Maybe you can even surround yourself with, with wise counsel, with, with people that will pray with you and, and seek the Lord with you this and speak into you. You need to check with Jesus though. You need to make sure he's the one calling. And listen, it doesn't matter how hard the wind is blowing if he's asking you to go with him. It doesn't matter if there are no means of support. It doesn't matter if no one's ever done it before. Listen, if Jesus is asking you to do it, church, listen, go for it. Go for it. I would rather not do it if Jesus is calling me to do something. I think that's scarier. Check with Jesus. Secondly, abandon safety. What? Abandon safety. Listen, Peter had to get out of that boat that day, didn't he? He had to get out of the boat. And you're going to have to as well if you want to walk miraculously with Jesus. You've got to get out of that safe, comfy spot that you've been in. If you insist on staying in your comfort zone, you'll probably miss the beautiful will of God in your life. Abandon safety. Something happens to us as we grow older. As kids, we seem, we're pretty invincible, aren't we? We're, we're not afraid to jump off of things. Or, or I, I remember as a kid, you know, putting my wagon and putting a flimsy piece of wood or a plank or something up on that. And I just thought, ride my bike and I'm going to sail into the air. Evil Knievel style. Anybody know who I'm talking about when I say evil? How many of you have no clue? How many of you have no clue? Listen, this is what's wrong with America today. How many of you do not know who evil Knievel is? See your hands. Don't be embarrassed. Right there. I'm so. Corey, help her out. That's your wife, bro. A man leads his family. Evil. Can evil. But seriously, you remember as a kid, you were. Things like that didn't scare you. 
Man, I won't even, I won't even drive into Six Flags right now because I see that junk out there and it scares me. I take the long way to La Quintera. Because I know if I look and see that Batman and that rat, I hear people screaming on Superman as I'm walking through the parking lot. I'm going, Lord, help those people. They paid $95,000 to get in the park to wet themselves. Something happens as we grow older, though. Listen, we begin to play it safe, don't we? That courage that we demonstrated when we were youthful. Maybe for some of you, that that same fire and zeal you had for Jesus the day you met him or the day you went to that conference or the day you heard that speaker or the day you saw that miracle, it's just not there. Need to abandon safety. Thirdly, you need to begin to walk on water. Yeah, I think Peter understood if I stay in the boat this day in Matthew 14, there's no hope. Jesus is here. He's called me. I'm going to abandon this, what I think, and I'm going to begin to walk on water. What does that mean? Hey, listen, for some of you today, Jesus is calling you to start stepping out into new ground. He's calling you to a new place. He's calling you to begin to walk on some water, places you've never gone before. Hey, have you ever seen a a little baby transition from crawler to walker? They begin to walk. You you know how it is. I mean, they they start standing up and holding on to things, maybe mom and dad's hands or whatever, and and they wobble to get their legs, and they may take a step and they fall. But but there's something that they hold on to, and they hang on, and they wait and whatever. Uh, But at some point, that that baby's got to let go of that something they're holding on to, right? They they let go of mom and dad's fingers. They let go of that that, that, that table, and they let go of the couch, and, and, and they begin to walk with no other support. I think for some of you this morning, the Lord is saying that, hey, listen, let go of this. Let, let, let go of what you're holding on to. I know that it's scary, but I'm telling you, I think Jesus said, hey, listen, I've got to just take that first step. Let go. Trust me. Peter, come. It's Jesus. Trust me. But you got to let go so you can take that first giant step into this new ground. This new territory that the Lord has for you. Listen, if Jesus is asking you to do that, you're on the edge of a quantum leap in your life with him. Let go. Trust him. You're you're, you're about to abandon the natural. And when Jesus says, I've got you and you let go, you're, you're abandoning the natural and you're moving towards the supernatural. Walk on water. Walk on that new ground. And finally, focus on Jesus. Not on the situation, not the wind, not the storm, not the things that you fear. You know, there was a moment, there was a moment, and I don't know how far he got, maybe halfway to Jesus, but there was that moment in which for halfway, Peter had halfway faith. He was focused on Jesus. He saw his Savior. He saw his target, and his gaze was on Jesus. But it was when he lost focus, when he began to survey his surroundings, notice what things were going on around him, that he fell. You know, when we look at our circumstances we are restricted to our own limited view of the situation. 
And in Matthew 14, as long as Peter was staring at Jesus, his feet stayed on the water's surface. But the moment he looked at the wind-whipped waves, he began to sink. Can I just share something with you? It's not the storm that's going to sink you, but it's going to be the halfway there faith. If you decide what you're going to do based on the situation, based on what you can see, based on what you're feeling, you'll almost surely make a bad decision. You see, it was Jesus who got you out of the boat in the first place. He called you to something. It was Jesus who helped you walk on water this far. And it will be Jesus who gets you the rest of the way there. So church, keep your focus on Jesus. Keep dwelling on the one who called you out of the boat in the first place. He's there. He can be trusted. Are you with me today? A little bonus time. When, 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 when we agree to follow this crazy water walking rabbi, this, this Jesus, when, when we agree to follow him and when we agree to follow and listen to his teachings, we are agreeing to surrender our plan for his. And, and by definition, that means that we agree to a massive amount of personal risk. Did you know that? What? Yeah, I'm just telling you that if you agree to follow Jesus, if you agree to take on his namesake, if you agree to allow him to come in and and take over you, you are assuming risk. Anybody tell you that when they led you to Jesus? No. I thought it was just so I could eat the wafer and drink the juice. Thought it was so I could have a great life here on earth. I thought that it was so I could experience eternity in heaven one day, receive a new body. Won't that be fun? Can't wait for that. No one told me, Jason, about a risk. It's risky. There are dangers. There are. It's not safe. And you know what one of the main problems within places like this all across our country are today? The the main problem in the church today is not Christ followers taking too much risk. The problem is that we're not taking enough risks. We're playing it safe. It's fun to gather once a week for an hour and 15 minutes. Here's some good music. See some great graphics, some funny videos. Hear a rousing sermon. It's not very risky though. See some people that we kind of look like and like. Our kids can go have fun. They're out of our hair. Oh, this is that Calgon moment for so many of you. They're just gone. But we're not taking many risks in the church today. There's not many worshipers across the nation that will be willing to, to even demonstrate what Peter did here in Matthew 14 and at least get out of the boat and begin to follow. They're just play it safers. You know what's happening? We're getting theologically fat and spiritually bored with our safer versions of sunshine pumping Christianity. 
I mean, even well-meaning books that so many of us read to try to encourage us to live radical lives. Why do we have to write a book about radical living for Christ? Well, why, why does someone have to write a book and why do we pay $19.95 for it just so that we can see how we are to respond to the widowed and orphan? That, hadn't it already been written in James? Well, why do we have to go buy another devotional book? We've got 32 of them in our cabinet. They're holding up your family portrait to the right height in your curio. Now, nothing wrong with books, but, but, but so many of these are, are, are written by well-meaning people that are paid pretty well, but they're probably taking very little risk themselves. Hear this. This thing called the Christ life was always supposed to be dangerous. The day at the age of nine that I asked Jesus Christ into my life to be Lord and Savior, I don't think I understood what that truly, truly meant. I just knew Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible and Miss Joanne told me so, right? But what I've come to understand is it is risky, it is dangerous, living this thing called the Christ life. It's always supposed to have been in Acts. We like Acts because it seems like the believers, man, they just, life was great when the Spirit comes, right? Guys, it was dangerous. It was crazy living. And it's always supposed to be dangerous. Church, listen, we need more risk takers in this house. We need more people that don't have little faith, but great faith. Why? The stakes are high. There are people all around the world that are in great jeopardy today, severely marginalized, living in extreme poverty. To, to state the obvious, listen, there are people dying and they need help. The help they need is, is going to, the, the good news of Christ is, is, is only going to be delivered by crazy risk takers who bring it. People who'll step out of the boat when the wind and the waves are crashing. When they say, this has never been done before. I'm telling you, if Jesus is near, you're okay. Oh my goodness. I have a question for you today, and you're not going to like it, but I want to ask it. Is the gospel worth dying for? Don't lie in church. Don't lie right now. But is the gospel worth dying for? So many of us are just content to come here and just sit, soak it in. We won't take a risk with it. We'll cower in fear whenever we think that maybe we're away from this setting in a place where maybe we might be a minority. We won't stand for Christ. We'll cave whenever there's maybe a, 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 a business decision to make that, you know, it, I know what's right, but, but this is maybe what's going to save my tail and keep me a job. 
I'll just fudge a little here. Or, or, or you know, gosh, I, I'm with a group of my, my girlfriends or guy friends. I started to say boyfriends, but that's not appropriate. But my guy friends or, 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 or girlfriend, and we're just, I, I know, I know that, that, that they don't know Christ and, and, and I can stand for him or I can just blend in. Is the gospel worth dying for to you? What risk have you taken for Christ? What are you most afraid of when it comes to being a follower of him? Hey, men, men, can I talk to men? It's, it's man day, right? It's men. Men, why don't we lead our families like God wants us to? Why, why are we so afraid? Why have we punted that role and responsibility that God placed on us as dudes? Why have we given it to our wives or worse than that, our kids? Can I tell you who, 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 who probably the most spiritual person in the home should be? It's us as men. Who should be the biggest? Guys, we love to take risk. We do. Have you taken a risk for Christ? Why don't we? Can't believe Peter sunk. Can't believe he would take his eyes off of Jesus. Where was his faith? Oh, might it be that some of us are harboring that same type of faith today? Could we be risk takers? Just let me remind you of, of, of some. This might have helped Peter out that day if he could have remembered this verse. <laughs> If Peter would have just been reminded of what God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, 9, he said, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Somebody needs to remember that, right? Take a risk. Remember that. Or, oh, it might have helped Peter that day if he would have remembered what his buddy Paul would have written years later about, you know, I can do all things through all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the reality is today that God may be calling you to a venture that doesn't make sense. He may be calling you to something that you're not prepared for. He might be calling you to something that you're not trained for. I'm telling you, for all of us in this room, it's probably safe for me to say there's a, ste a step of faith that is being required of all of us right now. There's something that God wants us to do for him. And listen, it's a journey of faith. It's one step at a time. And let me just remind you, God always comes through at just the right moment. <laughs> I pray that it would not be said of us that we are people of little faith. May it not be written of us, the, 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 the body of Christ and at 1910 church or wherever you attend church, just the body of the church of Jesus Christ. May it not be said of us, oh, they were people of little faith. Oh yeah, they loved him and they could worship they could lift their hands. They could sing. They, they gave lots of money. But they did not take many risks. 
with the gospel. I want to be people of great faith, don't you? I want to be people of miraculous, water-walking, ground-taking faith. So, Lord, that's my prayer for us. Say, God, we would just remember through this encounter today that you had with Peter in Matthew 14. God, let it remind us that we too are being called to do things like that. And Father, you're looking for people that will step out and trust you and not be afraid of the wind or the waves or the circumstances or situations or what people will say or the financial setbacks that might come. Lord, you're just looking for people that will keep their eyes on you and focus on you and trust you. God, thank you for the reminder today that you're there for us and we can take great risks for the gospel. Lord, may you be honored and glorified as we step out in faith. Amen.